There's been a lot of talk that uh, Apple was investing heavily into AR. A lot of conversation around that. Of course, putting all those various scanners into the devices and showcasing some of the applications for augmented reality on some of their pre-existing devices. So people thought, okay, this must be the start of something. Experimentation, where's it leading? Where are the glasses, the Apple glasses, which we've talked about in the past, which uh, people are excited about. They think, okay, maybe this is the next, maybe this is your next phone that mm. it's just you wear it on your face or uh, maybe this is the next big shift in tech that uh, we have this augmented vision. It's a very science fiction proposal, but it is something that seems feasible. It seems you can imagine a future in which you have your navigation right displayed like a HUD over top the real world or your notifications popping up in such a fashion. Some people will think this is the coolest thing ever. Others may think that this future is terrifying, but it seems to me that it's inevitable that some form of it will eventually be a thing that we collectively are doing. This report today seems to indicate that prior to getting all the way there, Apple may first go with a VR headset with some AR features. Not all that different from actually your favorite VR headset from Oculus, which the is- The Oculus Quest. The Quest. Yes. Now the Quest is a completely wireless, all-in-one package for VR. It doesn't have any AR features, correct? Uh, it has a function called pass-through, where it has cameras at the front, um, so, you can see what you're looking okay, at. Okay, so that like is an AR. That something. is an AR yeah. uh, function. I mean, to if it. you go out of bounds or something, it would yeah. go through the pass through. So phase. the construction of this unit is is mostly plastic, would you say? Mm hmm. Yep. It's like a lightweight plastic. Well, apparently, in Apple's case, with this upcoming design they're working on, you can imagine it being an Apple version of the Quest, but it's fully made out of fabric. And apparently they made this decision in order to save weight because they were having trouble getting the weight that they were looking for using traditional materials like the Quest is made out of. Now, the fabric thing actually reminded me of a product that Google put out, the Google Daydream, which was which was uh, you know made out of this almost like T-shirt fabric. It didn't feel all that robust. It wasn't super expensive. The way you interacted with that was by inserting your smartphone and your smartphone became the brains inside of the headset itself. Of course, the Oculus doesn't need that. Everything is built in. You don't need to add a smartphone. And I assume the same would be the case for Apple's design that they're working on. Now, one of the other weird things that shows up in this report is that alongside a fabric design, supposedly this unit is going to have a fan in it. Apple's first VR headset with a fan in it. Why would there be a fan in it? Do you need it for cooling? Is it for comfort? Is it silent? Hmm. That just feels very un-Apple-like as they're attempting to eliminate fans and sound wherever possible. That seems a little bit less futuristic, but that's the report as it sits here, uh, originally reported by Bloomberg. They, they usually know what is up and what's going on. The size of Apple's VR headset, which is codenamed N301, is similar to Oculus Quest, and some prototypes being tested 
include external cameras that enable some AR features, reportedly testing the ability to use these cameras to track hand movements and software like a virtual keyboard, which we've seen the Oculus demonstration of something like that, have we not? Or was that just a concept? Let's find out. I, somebody showed it off. I saw a video showcasing, okay, the VR keyboard. So it is, it is a thing that has been experimented with. I have not personally used it, so I can't comment, but this is the idea of a digital a projection of a keyboard in physical in your physical space that would be able to track your hands as the inputs without physically clicking a tactile button mm -hmm. and that somehow now there's also the product from Logitech which the mapping would match up mm -hmm. through AR and you would still click the physical keys and we report on this, we talked about this on this show a little while back, how Oculus was starting to work with more peripheral companies to, to uh, create a more sophisticated AR work environment with windows and keyboards right. and the variety of it. So it's an interesting thing to think about. Now, as far as the launch date for the VR headset, this report is suggesting 2022, which now... Doesn't even sound far away. You know why, Will? Because we're in 2021. Oh, is that? That's right. Yeah. We're in 2021. So 2022. And apparently, they do not expect it to be a big seller. Actually, they're only projecting that they would sell 200,000 units per year, which would equate to one headset per day at each of its retail stores or less. So getting in early, not expecting a huge commercial success, Wanting to get it in the hands of developers, seeing what people are going to do with it. I don't know, um, but that's the report at the moment. They're at least experimenting and planning. Mm. Today's sponsor, Manscaped. And actually, today we're going to talk about their new big news. They just released a new cologne scent to help you feel good and smell good all over and at all times. It's called refined cologne check out the reviews on the website 30 <laughs> 30 day money back guarantee revel in the sense of refinement and masculinity with this one-of-a-kind alluring fragrance a clean and fresh scent i like that i like a clean and fresh scent do you yeah that's right okay it is light yet masculine very cool now of course manscaped is known for more than their cologne they are known mostly in fact for their grooming tools, of which I use on a regular basis, including the lawnmower. What is it, 3.0, the current version? Yes. Maximum skin-safe performance with the ceramic blade, the charge dock, you can use it uh, even if it's a little bit wet. It has the flashlight on it. Uh, I mean, I've told you before. But they're branching out into so many other products, including the hygiene products, including the lotions and all the rest of it. Uh, so they're going to keep you they're going to keep you in good shape all over. They're going to take care of it. You just head over to the website. You can put a little pack together if you want and you can save money right now in fact. You can get 20% off. Imagine that. That's not nothing and free shipping. Head over to manscape.com/lou. That's 20% off with free shipping by going to manscape.com/lou. Look good 
smell good, feel good with Manscaped. That's manscaped.com slash Lou, 20% off and free shipping, or click the link in the description. They even look at the limited time. They got the underwear, the performance package. They look good. What does it have in it? You get the luxury grooming grooming kit, lawnmower 3.0. You get the weed whacker, so you keep the nose hairs trimmed. What you got to do is you become, you know, a gentleman, an older gentleman in life, uh-huh. yeah. and keep it all together, man. And uh, and of course, you've also got the reviver and the preserver, and a little, a little travel case pack. for all of it. So that'll get you up and running. I tell you what, manscaped.com/lou. Next one here is a leak. We're taking a look at what could be the iPad Mini 6. I've been wondering about that little iPad Mini because mm. all these other iPads are getting all freshened up. What are they going to do with the Mini? Now, I know the Mini's the entry level and it's for those on a budget and all the rest of it, but you would think you could shrink that bezel a little bit. Mm-hmm. You would think you could modernize it a little bit. Now, I don't know about the place for the Mini in the future. Of course, yesterday's episode, we talked about the troubles with the Mini in the phone space, the iPhone 12 mini. Now that phones are so big, you wonder about the small tablet. You got phones, in Apple's case, what, 6.7 inches. Mm-hmm. The mini, what is it, seven, a 7-inch seven display? No, it's more than that. It's got to be 8, maybe. 7.9, I believe. Let's see if I'm right. I th- If I remember correctly, 7.9! Damn, that's going back Good years. For you. Imagine the last <laughs> time I did an yeah. iPad mini video. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty close. The phone and the iPad mini. 6.7, 7.9. That said, I've goofed around an iPad mini here and there, and it is a comfortable form factor for the couch. It's a lot lighter than the bigger iPads, and it's a a little bit more comfortable to hold for long periods than your phone because you actually have a place to grip on the current model. But it does feel dated. The bezel's a, a little bit fat, and so maybe to fit in with the rest of the lineup, Maybe they spruce it up a little bit, and this concept doesn't look half bad. Now, one thing I like about the concept as well, which, by the way, is just a concept. Keep that in mind. And actually, you're going to get even better images if you click on the has more to share link in blue there. What I like about this concept is that they put the touch ID in the display, but they didn't do it under the display. They just put it in the display. Hmm. Same with the camera. And the same with the camera. So the camera's a pinhole, so probably Apple's not going to do that because, I don't know, I mean, maybe they could. They uh, they recognize that there's some Face ID issues with the masks going on in the world, so it's not impossible, but this would be a, a strange choice considering, uh, as far as the fingerprint is concerned, considering the fact that the tech does exist to put it under the glass. But... The in-display fingerprint scanner has never been as satisfying as the capacitive, old-fashioned version, mm-hmm. in my experience. So if there's like a little groove there, and it's a nice tactile button inside of a display, that could be cool. Mm-hmm. But to be clear, as we said, just a concept. Now, the other things that you would expect for sure is the slimmer bezel all the way around. And I think it could create a somewhat compelling package, could be a popular choice amongst the students of the world and things like this. Yeah. With the entry-level price compared to some of the other iPads and certainly the iPad Pro. So that's kind of cool looking. Did you know that former president Donald Trump was the first to receive the new Mac Pro? Did he? Yeah, really? the first Mac Pro went to Trump. That's what they're saying now. He was... Uh making videos 
You know what? This Final goes cut. to show you. We've been doing Lou later for a little bit because uh -huh. I remember talking about that plant, that assembly facility, getting up and running in Texas mm -hmm. for the Mac Pro, however long ago that was. And I remember Trump visiting and Tim Cook explaining what's going on there, showing him a Mac Pro. But, of course, we didn't know at the time that Donald himself would be leaving that day or probably got shipped to him. Those are kind of heavy, those Mac Pros. Mm. But little did we know he was going to have the first one off of that assembly line out of that facility. And he did. And the reason we know this now is because on his way out of office, he has to have a final financial disclose, disclosure report, which details any gifts that he received. And when you look at the report, you see from Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, a Mac Pro computer, the first created at the Flex factory in Austin, Texas. Now, I don't know. There may have been some made in China that shipped prior to that, but he got the first one out of the Flex factory in Austin, Texas. And you know he would have loved the bragging rights. He probably told everyone, came through the office. That's the first one right there. Yeah. Straight out of Texas, American-made. He probably loved that. Well, uh, isn't it the low-spec one? It is. It's the entry Ooh. level. But to be fair, does, does he really need anything beyond that? The six thousand no. dollar entry Mac Pro, like he needs more GPU in there. Mm -mm. I doubt it. Some yeah. other interesting things on the uh, first is on the list. He uh, Colby Covington gifted him the Ultimate Fighting Championship belt. The belt, what? The championship belt. He gifted it to him. Six hundred and fifty dollar value. Oh, I'm guessing he got an extra one. Right, <laughs> he has an extra one to give. Wait, why are you saying the belt? Because he was never the champ? Uh, he no, it's belt? just weird that he, had the he belt? would give the belt. He had the belt, didn't he? Yeah. He had a belt. Or was it one of those... Uh... One of those fake belts. I'm pretty sure it was. You think it was a fake belt? Anyway, whatever. He gave, he gave him... Listen, neither, neither of us want to be telling Colby Covington that he has a fake belt, all right? Yeah. Neither of us are in any kind of position to say such a thing. So if somebody... It's fighting MMA and they are granted a belt because of it. I'm gonna I'm not gonna call any of them fake because this is a this is a tough sport, Willie dude. This is no joke over here. Uh, mixed yeah, martial arts. Got, interim UFC you got the interim belt. Welterweight championship. Yeah. Yeah. That's not fake. I hate it when they call that fake. He probably fought whoever he had to fight at the time. And anyway, I'm no. getting carried away here. Uh, what else? There's a couple of other interesting things on there. Bill Ford, executive chairman of Ford Motor Company, gifted a leather bomber jacket mm. to the president as well. So there's some golf clubs and stuff in there. But yeah, how about that for bragging rights? The first Mac Pro is in the possession of Mr. Donald Trump, courtesy of Mr. Tim Cook. Apple is bringing back the MagSafe or maybe bringing back the MagSafe, as we talked about on a previous episode. This particular writer, Dan Ackerman on CNET, actually thinks it's a terrible idea. And I know you find that to be very upsetting, his position on this, because I assume you disagree. I disagree. But he makes some good points, which actually I think those points can be addressed and you can still have MagSafe. So mm. the point, the, essentially the point that he makes, now let me just give you a quick refresh. MagSafe lets you connect your power adapter in a very safe fashion because if the cord gets kicked the laptop never goes flying if uh, if it gets tripped over the cord and i've had 
many MagSafe devices in the past, and I have I've had the new all the new Apple laptops that charge over USB Type C, and I can't say that I've ever completely destroyed a laptop, but it's come close. Mm. It's come kind of like halfway off the table close when the dogs are running around and stuff like that. Yeah. And the MagSafe, it would just pop off no problemo. So I do kind of miss it. But the so the point made in this particular article, the potential problem here is the fact that it's proprietary. And it's it's a good point to be made. The MagSafe adapter will be exclusive whatever way Apple chooses to do it. And that means that the variety of Type-C chargers that you have lying around already, you can't use them. And when you're talking about the lower power consumption MacBooks, for example, like the new Air, let's say, you don't need a huge power brick to charge it. And people inside of the house can all share a Type-C power adapter. So it is a good argument that that convenience outweighs whatever benefits you may get from having the magnetic attachment point. But what I what I think is uh, fails to to uh, exist in this article as an option, or at least I didn't see it, was why not both? I, I mean, this exists yeah, already. I have I, an alternative. I have uh, plenty of PC laptops that can charge two ways, through a proprietary power connection for full power, or a slower charge rate through the Type C connector. Mm -hmm. There's tons of PC laptops that do that. So I'm sitting here saying, well, why not both then? If we get the new MacBook Pro, which supports MagSafe and includes a MagSafe charge brick in the box, but then at least one of the variety of Thunderbolt ports that are on there is also capable of being utilized for charging. Perfect. Problem solved. So it could be a terrible, it could be a bad thing if they don't do that. It could be a bad thing if it's MagSafe and nothing else. Mm -hmm. But if they do the right thing and allow for two separate ways for it to charge, then it's definitely not a terrible thing. It's an added bonus. Mm -hmm. uh, this one is something you could probably already guess. So we're talking a, a little bit about depreciation when it comes to smartphones here. This new report indicates that Android devices lose twice as much value as iPhones in their first year of ownership. And, you know, I used to be in a resale business or and, and upgrade business and sort of like uh, repair business for Apple products. So I was well versed in the resale market for Apple stuff, even back in the iPod and PowerBook days. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons that I could even have that business was because of the value that was retained in Apple gear that I could buy, sell, trade, things like this. Even the components inside. Even the components. It goes all the way down to the components. And there's a lot of reasons. I mean, we can speculate why this is the case. Some people that are only exposed to the smartphone side of things assume that it has to do with the fact that the products themselves work longer or have greater longevity. But in reality, there are far more, there's far more in play, including brand recognition, which is very helpful, a high ticket price to begin with. Like there's a luxury association with the brand. Even if you spend a lot of money on a Samsung device, for example, most people like the brand association with premium, it's just not on the same level. And, and then there's the variety thing, at least for, especially for a very long time, there wasn't nearly as many models on the Apple side. And so what that me meant is they weren't making it all that easy in the budget 
sector. So one of the ways in which people could get a cheaper iPhone or a cheaper PowerBook or MacBook because they have a, a typically a higher entry price would be to buy a used one, therefore driving up the used market. So these, this is me speculating on some of the factors that play in here. But there is also the piece which people will mention, which is the the um, the constant updates, like the fact that support there's there's less guesswork involved in how long the device would be supported, and the customer service infrastructure, the fact that there's Apple stores. Mm. There's a place you can take a thing, even if it's used, and you can go see a physical person, and there's no other brand in the space that has a network like that mm-hmm. in, in so many major cities. But anyway, we can look at some of the differences here. So Android flagships lose 33.62% of their value in the first year compared to iPhone at 167 After two years, an Android phone's Price drops 61.5% as compared to 35.7 for an iPhone. Notably, this data doesn't take limited time brand or carrier offers into account. So the other thing to mention is how often do these things go on sale and for how much? What is, how quickly does the manufacturer of the device drop the price? Now, we've seen this with Samsung devices, plenty of other devices, where shortly after launch, you will see, you'll be able to catch a deal. Mm-hmm. iPhones, a little bit less so. So by not having to price them as aggressively because the marketplace isn't as competitive on iOS, like Apple, if you're in the iOS ecosystem, you have Apple to choose from. If you use an Android device, you can choose Samsung and whatever variety, Xiaomi and... Uh, yeah. OnePlus, and mm-hmm. did you mean to name a bunch of Android phones in case you forgot here, Will? So uh, yeah. what I'm trying to get at here is if the price doesn't drop as rapidly, again, now you have more customers into the used market keeping that value up because the initial value or the retail price is stuck to for a longer period of time. So here's a couple of comparisons in the article. Galaxy S20 down almost 35% compared to the iPhone 11, 12.8. S20 Plus goes down 30.5%. iPhone 11 Pro goes down 21.31. And then the Ultra model went down 36%. That one had more value to lose in the first place. Hmm. However, the Pro Max is only 15.96. So it looks like the best value for cost of ownership, if you do upgrade on a frequent basis and you're going to be selling your device in a year or two, the, the standard new iPhone, the iPhone 11, and I presume, presume the upcoming iPhone 12 are going to be your best bets as far as the opening cost and the amount of total uh, depreciation over your time of ownership. Mm. And then on Samsung's side, it actually looks like the middle model is your best bet. The Plus, the S20 Plus, or in this case, it'll be the S21 Plus this time around. Also, to add to the mix, the Pixel series actually loses almost 40% of its value in a year. The uh, Pixel 4 tops the overall charts with a a, a negative 40.5% or $160 value depreciation. Wow. So, I don't know. It's something to keep in mind. A lot of this is going to be more or less important to you depending on how often you upgrade your phone. And... uh, yeah, and, and, and if you're if you're an iOS user, I mean, there's not much you have to do. You just 
Just buy the phone. That's it. Like, you just buy the phone and sell it when you're... Mm-hmm. Like, see, the thing is, for me, I don't sell phones anymore, so this is not that significant to me. But I can see to to a lot of users that this would be something to consider. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this data came from Bank My Sell, a site that tracks trade-in prices for devices. Uh, it looks like now that it is actually the end of the Note series. It's so weird because cool. people were talking about this, and then Samsung seemingly put out a statement in the press in South Korea, which was like, no, 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 Note is fine. And now we have a resurgence of the original report, including participation from our pal, uh, Mr. Ice Universe. Right. Ice Universe has chimed in. And when he chimes in, we all listen. Mm-hmm. He chimes. Yeah, he's, well, he's also got, I mean, look at his username. Yeah. That's, that alone will get anyone. How are you attention. not going to listen to Ice Universe? Yeah. Sounds incredible. Uh, well done on the username. Anyway, uh, so here we have his tweet, which said, did it say RIP? Let me open a tweet. It said the end. The entire, this is the entire tweet. Galaxy Note, the end. Now, the reason everybody thought the writing was on the wall in the first place was because all of a sudden we're seeing the S Pen come to this variety of devices that didn't, it wouldn't have in the past trying to protect the Note sales. And now the Ultra model of the current S21 series allows you to use the pen, and there's accessories that let you carry the pen with you. Actually, there's two pens to choose from, in fact. Now, here's my speculation. I, I also agree it makes sense to get rid of the Note, and I know people are going to be very upset with me right now. They're going to say, how dare you? I love the Note. Big Note guy. And, and I get it. I get it. It's fun. I like to have a selection of devices. Let the customer choose what's best for them. I'm not saying I want them to get rid of it. I'm just saying I understand it. You double down on the foldable. You find a way to make the Z Fold lineup the Note lineup. Find a way to make the pen okay to use on the folding display. And then you have less crossover because let's be honest, the latest Note and the latest S model, it's a lot, it's a lot that's the same there. And if you're a true note, maybe they want more people to experiment with the folding tech and they think, hey, our note customer is one who we think would benefit. Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden taking notes on a bigger display is even nicer. Now, I know they got to solve some, some tech issues here because that display up until this point has been really soft and I wouldn't want to poke it with a pen. I'm talking about the foldable one. Mm-hmm. So they got to figure something out. But if they can figure it out, it might be okay. Now, granted, those note buyers are still going to be yelling at me because they're going to say, that Z Fold is two Gs, man. Yeah. Give me a break. But I don't know. Maybe they'll be okay with using the pen on the Ultra model. We'll see what happens. It is not confirmed. And by the way, you may have one last chance at a note model, and that could be the fan edition. And that Mm -hmm. might be why Samsung originally denied reports that it was over because they may have one more in the bag. Hmm. which the fan edition is a rework of the previous gen. You know how this goes at a right. lower lower price point. Here is our first look at the latest Sony device, the Xperia 10 III. Now, I feel that the Sony smartphones don't, don't get enough love. I have had fun with the last couple generations here on the show. I actually daily drove 
the Xperia 1 for a period of time, man. It's a, it's a funky little thing with the narrow display and a cr crazy camera modes. Like the video mode is so comprehensive ripped from their, their cameras. And of course I have a ton of experience with Sony's cameras. Uh, so many pro features in there, just ridiculous. Picture profiles and true cinema type of interface on your phone. So I had a lot of fun with it. 21 by nine aspect ratio. Oh, and never mind the 4K display. Ridiculous stuff. Mm. Absolutely ridiculous stuff that they did on that. So anyway, uh, they did that, and then they did the 5 model, and apparently now we're talking about the Xperia 10.3. And you know what? Well, they kept it simple once again. It is just a slick and clean design. They're not trying to do too much. You can mm. see it's black. These are renders, by the way, but it's coming from a, a pretty established source. These are coming from OnLeaks. And so the camera cutout is pretty much the same glass back, uh, not overly flashy in any way. And uh, the difference here is this is going to be a mid-range device. The Xperia 10.3 is said to measure in at uh, 154 by 68 by 8.3. So it's going to have this slender design like the past models. The display is going to be 6 inches. 12 megapixel main lens, that's the same. 8 megapixel telephoto, 8 megapixel ultra wide. And there's going to be a 3.5 mil headphone jack up top. As far as the other specs, I mean, you can kind of fill them in as far as imagining a mid-range device, but they're still doing it. I think it's good. Speaking of doing it, OnePlus and Oppo are, they've revealed their secret partnership. Shocker. Yeah, which is like everybody knew this already, but now they're ready to make it official. What is that? They used to do it on Facebook, like in a relationship, where you make it official. You would, you would, if you had, if you were dating somebody, you would change this. It's yeah, not a status. I thought it was status. It, oh, is it a status? I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So they are officially uh, a team at this point and we kind of there were some signs that it was becoming more like this with the way that the president ceo pete lao he had been kind of doing work in both places and oh, we yeah. had increasingly seen similarities between oppo devices mm -hmm. and oneplus devices and it was like hey wait a minute what's what who's what what's the plan and then oneplus branching like crazy with all the nord products and you were like hmm where is this all going Anyway, here's the quote uh, to better maximize resources and further position OnePlus for growth. We are in the process of further integrating some R&D capabilities with O+. O+, is supposedly the company that's housing both Oppo and OnePlus and Realme. But they call, they call O+, a long-term investor, however you want to perceive that. OnePlus will continue operating independently and working to deliver the best possible user ex experience for existing and future OnePlus users. So OnePlus CEO Pete Lau happens to also be the SVP at OPlus, which is the bigger company, the investor in this variety of brands, and he oversees synergy and product planning at Oppo and OnePlus. Hmm. So... That's a lot of crossover. I mean, if your top executive is working on both brands, maybe it is maybe it is better. I don't know because now you can you could well, it could go one of two ways. Either you have even more crossover and these devices increasingly become similar or 
having these prominent positions at both places, you ensure that there's a unique identity to each mm. brand because you're involved in both and not necessarily having them compete against each other. Right. It's just a thought. But anyway, they've gone ahead and made that relationship official. Qualcomm has lost a ton of market share in China because of the Huawei sanctions. Well, after Huawei's sanctions, actually towards the end, Huawei was doing its own chips alongside TSMC. They were making the high silicon stuff, so they weren't actually even buying from Qualcomm. But uh, a lot of other brands were buying from Qualcomm for the Chinese market. Brands like Xiaomi, brands like Oppo, just mentioned. A lot of them have now moved to MediaTek, the Taiwanese-based brand of processors, because of the sanctions making it difficult to get their hands on Qualcomm hardware, and because the MediaTek stuff has gotten better from a price-to-performance ratio. Uh, Qualcomm shipments in China shrank 48.1% year-on-year. And you got to believe that Qualcomm's not super happy about that. You got to believe they're probably going to uh, pick up the phone and call Mr. Joe Biden mm. and say, you remember the guy with the Mac Pro that was in that office before? Yeah, he uh, he had a few sanction things going. Don't worry about it. Don't ask too many questions. Uh, we got a way better plan. Hear us out. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, stroke of the pen, and they're back in the market. I don't know. But there are other factors at play. The landscape has changed. Competition has changed. And Qualcomm's got a lot. They're going up against a lot of heat right now, mm-hmm. coming from all angles. And whether that's a Chinese market or everywhere else, I mean, they make good stuff, but it's just a lot of heat going on right now. And MediaTek is one of those companies who gobbled up a lot of that business inside of China, at least. They took number one spot. Taiwan's MediaTek benefited from all that pent-up demand. The chip designer took advantage of both Huawei and Qualcomm's woes and also got major Chinese smartphone makers to use its chips. Oppo, Vivo, Xiaomi, and Huawei. The MediaTek share has increased a lot so there's always some next company standing by waiting will waiting for their big opportunity ready to snatch that business that's right there you go you got it how about this you're a web designer right will i used to be you're a developer yeah (laughs) you're in there yeah uh the new white house website some people noticed it was a redone to deal with the the new president, and oh. there was a nice little a nice little hidden message in there for for coders, and it was hidden inside of Spectre. It, yeah, yeah, if you inspect Element or whatever, yeah. and people were uh, glancing through it because they noticed that things had changed a little bit, and inside of the code was this one line which said. It said, if you're reading this, we need your help building back better. And then a link to usds.gov slash apply. Hmm. And so apparently they wanted designers, engineers, product managers to notice this, actually. So they could recruit for the U.S. federal government to improve services. And... This was for the United States Digital Service. I don't know exactly what you do inside of the digital service. I presume... Make websites? I I presume you're doing what Willie Do does. 
The USDS is a technology unit that works across the U.S. federal government to improve services. All right, cool. So anyway, they gave a shout out yeah. to the devs. And you know what the devs love, Will? They love a shout out. <laughs> oh, you got to say something <laughs> obvious. <laughs> like, oh, they like coding. <laughs> mm, uh, Good one. Here we have... You remember this guy, Ajit Pai? Yeah. You remember him? What was it? He was a huge beam for like a year, maybe six months. I don't remember why. It was over net neutrality, I think. But About net neutrality. He was all over YouTube being memed up. People the, hated him. Yeah, and then he kind of cooled off. He made some weird YouTube video. He, did he embrace the meme? He or? did, yeah. Oh, he embraced the meme. Yeah. Okay. It was really funky. Um. Anyway, so... He has done his final report. I guess he's moving on. And he's done his final report. He, it's where you come in and you kind of look at the state of things and, and you make suggestions or you say, hey, everything's fine based on where you're at and what you've achieved. And he's kind of, I guess he's aggravated a few people because he came along and said that the current speed benchmark, target internet speed for accessibility for Americans he said that 25 down and 3 megabit up is acceptable. Eesh. So here's a quote. We find that the current speed benchmark of 25 by 3 remains an appropriate measure by which to assess whether a fixed service is providing advanced telecommunications capability. We conclude that fixed services with speeds of 25 by 3 continue to meet the statutory definition of advanced telecommunications capability. And so the reason this is important is because under U.S. law, the FCC is required to determine if the connectivity offered to its citizens is considered to be advanced enough. This is a thing that obviously there's no... It, well, it's up to guys like him to figure out what the guideline is based on the landscape. And the reason for this is so that all Americans have some sort of playing field, some sort of access. Uh -huh. And then if that's not being met, then there are levers that can be pulled by the FCC in order to increase competition or in order to ensure that there's at least work being done to improve accessibility at this uh, higher rate. Mm -hmm. And so he would have to, or whoever takes his position, would have to say, no, no, no here's our target, and then work towards it. But if he's sitting there saying 25 by 3 is fine, well, then there's not much to be done about it. Now, the person who may take his spot is calling for an improvement and saying it's not fine. They are looking for a 100 megabit per second download standard and an upload standard anywhere higher than 3 megabits. So this will probably change at some point, but I don't know. I'm curious. I'd like to ask the audience what their connection speed currently is, and whether or not they feel 25 by 3 is sufficient. I know myself, I might very well, well, I would have some serious problems if the only access I had, I would just move somewhere else uh -huh. if yeah, I we, could only get 25 by videos. 3. No, no, this, no, I couldn't do. I'd ha and that's kind of weird, like not everybody can move, so... We'll see what happens. You also got Elon Musk working on it, right? Yeah, Starlink. Starlink stuff, but that's going to cost you as well. So, no. TikTok added a new feature letting creators 
have uh, Q&A sessions or it's a Q&A feature so that an individual can signal mm. that their comment is actually a question. And then if they do so with a particular button, then the content creator can better organize the actual questions from just the chatter inside mm. of the stream. Like, it's kind of like on YouTube, if you have a super chat, and then those are typically questions. But of course, that's different because the person has to make a donation to do that. Mm -hmm. Here on TikTok, I guess it's just a way of indicating that you would like to have your question answered. Apparently, the motivation, the inspiration for this feature was how TikTok creators were using the platform anyways. They would go post a reply video to some of their commonly asked questions. This is a more formal approach to dealing with the way in which the platform is being used. Hmm. Uh, it's not available to all creators at the moment. It's only creators with more than 10,000 followers who have opted into the feature within their settings. Uh, participants in today's test include safe listed creators from TikTok's creative learning fund program. So they're letting, they're letting the responsible types have it first. Oh, okay. Not like me. No, no, you're not. No, no. You're going to have to do a lot I'm of work to get your, get your hands on the Q&A. Yeah. Imagine what you might be doing over there. Spreading, oh. You might be spreading misinformation. Uh-huh. So anyway, TikTok's, TikTok keeps it moving, you know. Here we have a famous engineer. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he's a, he posts on YouTube. He's an old school type of guy, and he's been examining Teslas for a bit, and he hasn't been all that impressed. He, I believe he has a history in the auto industry, and essentially he looks at the car not the way that you look at the car, Will. You go look at the car and you're like, it, it's electric, it has a battery, it's fast, I love it. This guy looks at the car in the way where he's going and looking at the gaps in every seam and he's measuring and he's going from a quality perspective up on the hoist and he's saying, huh, okay, how many fasteners are there? You know, true automotive type of inspection mm. going on. And he, his uh, previous Model 3 that he inspected he wasn't happy with. He compared the quality to a Kia from the 90s, mm. which I believe he meant that as an insult. Kia nowadays is actually pretty nice. But I guess in the 90s, it was a different quality control going on there. Anyway, he bought another Model 3, and he claims there's some big improvements that have been made here, that Tesla is actually getting better as an automaker, not just an electric vehicle company, but that they're, become, they're getting closer to competing with similarly priced products when it comes to those little quality aspects, like the shape of things, the way that things fit together, the hinges and mm -hmm. things like this. And so on the latest model, he did find some issues with it. He, he measured a particular gap from top to bottom on the passenger side door where it's very tight up towards the top. You can see in this image here. And then as you move down to the bottom of the door, the gap grows quite a bit larger. You'll see as you scroll down, yeah. Oh. So it's, it's definitely not uniform. Now, I don't know if people inspect Teslas differently than they do other vehicles just because of the content and everything. I don't think this guy does, but it just, I'm hearing these stories of panel gaps, and mm -hmm. windows and uh, tail lights, Paint. condensate, you know, all these things. But I, part of me, I have to wonder you know, Tesla, it gets so much more attention. So would it even be a worthwhile video to make? Who would ever know if some GM vehicle, you know, that's part of my way of thinking. But at the same time, this guy 
has the expertise and and in is comparing to other automakers so it is worthwhile to listen to but it is good news that there has been a significant improvement and obviously the guy's a fan here funny enough he actually owns or owned some tesla stock so it seems like he's a fan of tesla but he also at the same time can call it what it is mm. taking the measurements and seeing what kind of progress is being made over there all right it's our bitcoin update of the day we need a ching sound for that because i never know what it's going to be uh, mm -hmm. by the time we get here but bitcoin was down at least at my time of reading that Apparently, it has something to do with what might have been the nightmare scenario for crypto, which is something called a double spend. And yeah, you, you can tell you're terrified right now. Mm. This is when the same transaction happens can happen twice. Oh. And it's obviously bad for obvious reasons, because if a transaction is not verified, a person can get paid twice. if They can figure out whatever way to do it. What, what do they call that in the matrix? A glitch? Uh, deja vu. Deja vu, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So they're reporting a deja vu? Well, the, po the point here is that it's a vulnerability in the network. If, if it can happen, it's a vulnerability in the network. But it is still being disputed if that's exactly what did happen. So Bitcoin fell as much as 11% on Thursday after this report from BitMEX, where they suggested a critical flaw the double spend had occurred somewhere in the bitcoin blockchain it is a feared scenario where a user is able to spend their bitcoins more than once Ooh. a double spend event has not been confirmed and bitmex has has given mixed messages so apparently in the white paper there's ways around this like this should never happen now bitmex at first they explained the way in which they think that it happened uh, where is that? Yeah, BitMEX said that what happened was an RBF transaction, which where unconfirmed Bitcoin transaction is replaced with a new transfer paying a higher fee. Some sort of bizarre scenario that could trigger this this double spend situation. It wasn't for a, it wasn't for a significant amount of money either. Point zero zero zero. 14499 BTC. Uh, but it's being disputed right now and for obvious reasons. But, and I don't know. I mean, Bitcoin was so high to begin with. Can you attribute all of today's dip on this one, one report? If it did happen and more proof comes out that it did happen, then that is a significant issue. But you know, the Bitcoin heads are watching right now and they're saying, that's not what happened. Yeah. I mean, I'm just assuming that's what they're saying. But, I feel like we should get an update, see if the price bounced back at all in the time since uh, since I read this story, because that tends to happen with Bitcoin as well. Maybe people got over it real quick. I don't know. No. Oh. No, we're... she's still down. Yeah, she's Quite real down. down. All right. So who knows? The crypto thing could be moving the other way right now. You know, 30,000 has been a holding point. It's been a buy point for institutional investors, as they say, in the game. And so we'll see if it holds at 30. If it dips below 30, then it could, it could be in free fall further down. I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm just, these are the things I'm seeing. This is, I mean, we're on the internet. Yeah. Things can be seen on the internet. Oh, yeah. How about these? Vertical farms to grow your veggies on site at restaurants and grocery stores. 
Hmm. How about that for freshness, Will? It's kind of like a shipping container, which is, you know, right, could be right out in front of the supermarket. And the veggies are grown right inside of it in real soil. Of course, it's a hydroponic operation. So you have, you got your hydroponic lights and nutrients hmm. are inserted into the mix and everything grows up the sidewall. But I don't know if you've ever had fresh, any fresh vegetation fresh before. Anything? Yeah, have uh, you ever had fresh vegetation in your life? Uh, maybe. Hmm. I don't know where they come from. Yeah, you know, so if maybe. I go to Whole Foods. It's... No, but 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 did you ever grow something in your garden, for example? Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. that's fresh. Will tomatoes. And you picked it out and you ate it. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you confused? <laughs> <laughs> well, my mom grew it. And yeah, that's fine. Yeah, when I was young. But you don't remember the difference, man. Oh. <sighs> Man, when you have a fresh tomato? Well, not eaten from the vine. It was cooked. Oh, okay. Um, and they See, when I, a, when I was a kid, this, is, a lot of this is lesser known. Them. Not a lot of people know this, but when I was a kid, I had a sort of, up until, I'm, I'm a, up until I was about maybe four years old, four or five, I was living in a rural lifestyle. And you were a farm boy? I was a farm boy. And we had a greenhouse. It wasn't a setup like this, but it was mostly tomatoes. And I used to eat these tomatoes like it was an apple. I would pick it and just eat it straight away. And that flavor has been with me ever since. It is a whole different ball game when you're talking about freshness. And I'm worried that people don't even know what a tomato tastes like. That's what I'm worried about. Mm. But the same goes for all kinds of fresh foods. It's incredible, man, fresh vegetables. I'm just letting you know. Okay. I'm just making a case for fresh vegetables right now. And I guess I'm making a case for these guys with the vertical farms because uh, they seem to be doing all right. And they're imagining a future in which, well, you would roll up and you would actually pick your couple of fresh veggies to go with whatever else you were shopping. And they're trying to reduce, you know, the energy costs. And there's fewer variables when you're doing it inside of an enclosed environment. They just close it up, mm -hmm. call it a day. You could get a fresh herb in there. You could get a fresh veggie in there. Are you happy about that? Yeah, I've been looking into getting like a, what's it called, a terrarium? Okay. Like indoor, and then you can grow your own vegetables. Is that a terrarium? I don't know. I think yeah. a terrarium, you might put like a lizard in there. It's like enclosed. Actually, that might not be the right I term. think you might put a lizard in a terrarium. Uh, I mean, you could get the definition. We got Google. Like an indoor garden, let's we just We got say. Google, don't we? I mean, here we go. Down the rabbit hole we go. Wait, you're supposed to tell us what terrarium means. Yeah, I think it's wrong. I think terrarium is like an enclosed. We still need to know. Space. Okay. <laughs> if I know how to spell it. No, there you go. It's a game as well. Oh, here so. we go. Sealable glass container. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a reptile in that one. I don't know if you can actually grow vegetables in there. It's like its own ecosystem. Oh, this is just for looks and stuff. Yeah. Those are cool, though. Terrariums are cool. Yeah, it's a living But living I could thing. put a reptile in there, couldn't I? Uh, I think it's enclosed. But look, that right there. It says Reptizoo 40-gallon terrarium. Oh, okay. Wayf Wayfair.com. I mean, I can buy that, Well, Sure. That's two sixty nine. Right. Maybe we should get a pet lizard right over here. Yeah, I don't know what Otis would grow. think about. I don't know what Otis would think about that though. I don't know if he'd go for it. Anyway, yes, Will. I highly. I think you should do it. Sure. And then and then we'll do a live taste yeah. test. 
you can bring One us these things. Bring us some of your herbs. Okay. And we'll do a live taste test and see if you're the real deal or not. McDonald's is bringing some throwback Thursday deals. How about offering cheeseburgers and shakes for 25 cents? Ooh, I'm sold. Holy moly, Sounds 25 great. cents. How do they do it? It's incredible. Obviously, they do it because it's a promo, Will. And they want to get you hooked. That's how they do it. The reason for the throwback and the price point is, uh, well, they want to they wanna go back to like the original prices, I guess. The promotion pays tribute to the chain's early menu pricing by offering favorites for 35 cents or less. According to the website, customers can get a cheeseburger for 25 cents on January 21st. Is that today? That is today. Yeah. That's today. A small shake, a, 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 a milkshake for 25 cents, and an apple pie for 20 cents. Wow. And then after that, it's going to be large fries for 35 cents and a cheeseburger later on for 25 cents again on February 18th. Which one are you going to go for out of those, Will? You got 35 cents in your pocket. What are you going to take? How much is a shake? 25. I'll get a shake. You're going to take the shake. Yeah, I haven't had that in a while. Nice. Look at you. Crazy. That's crazy. Those are the prices, though. Inflation. There you go. Adjusted for inflation. You sent me this next story. My goodness gracious. This is the one. It might be my favorite one today. This is crazy. Somebody photographed this famous painting, but it isn't like any photograph you've seen in your life. It is microscopic. It is 10 gigapixel detail. Mm. Now look, you're, you're, don't scroll, you go yet. On the left is the painting. Top yeah. right, okay, cool. I see the cracking, I know it's paint. Below that, I'm like, wow, I'm tight right now. I'm seeing texture. The next one, I'm on the, re the reflective part of the eye and I'm seeing the shape of the paint that has dried as if it were a mountain glob. Mm -hmm. It is tremendous. They are using this really crazy 3D microscope, the Hyrox 3D microscope, and stitching together 9,100 photos, creating a mind-boggling 10 gigapixel resolution. Mm. Like, that looks cool on its own. I want to frame that. It almost seems like a landscape, like you can go through. It looks like painting. Mars. It looks like a planet. Yeah. So well, it's not flat. It's, it's not. It's 3D. 3D. They're taking yeah. pictures at all angles and stitching. At all angles. You can see a picture of the guy's equipment on the thumbnail there. I mean, you, can, you can click it if you want. The painting, Girl with the Pearl Earring, is that the official name? It is the official yeah. name of the painting. Really famous. It is one of the most famous paintings in the world. It hangs in the Marishui Mar Museum in the, in the Hague, in the Hog, in the Hague. That's a famous museum. There's a way to say that. Anyway, check out this guy's rig. And the he had to work in the museum with these glass panels and people watching him. Because you can't move paintings like that. Well, mm -hmm. I guess he just moved it, but not far. What do you think that thing's worth? 100 mil? More? I don't know. 
some ridiculous amount. I think it's priceless. It stays at well, the museum. It's definitely priceless. But I'm saying, you know, like how that div- recent Da Vinci broke records. Like I'm saying, if they discovered another one. Oh. Let's uh, let's find out. It's here. a shocking. Oh, you're gonna look for it. Okay, let's find out what the value is. Ten million. Ten million. Uh, that was in 2014. It's probably worth more now. People are collecting all kinds of things right now because of COVID. 10 million bucks. I bet you it's 20 right now. Anyway, this is almost as cool. Well, no, it's not as cool as the original art. It's crazy what they had to do back in the day to create this, these type of looks using nothing but paint. But to capture it in such a fashion and preserve it, like, I mean, you're not preserving it, but to have it, now in digital form to that degree of detail isn't that cool is that kind of cool that is very cool because i think maybe they could find ways to repair it you know they can uh, find like big cracks small cracks and maybe look at find like a material look at look at he has it. to move he moves not even a centimeter he moves like a millimeter to take the next photo pre-stitch it looks like an eggshell look at it go look at it go incredible does this only have twelve thousand views how many views does this have yes somebody go watch this girl with a pearl earring under the high rocks 3d microscope it is just That's the channel name too high rocks oh it is it's it's the channel is for the actual microscope it's i'm very happy about that story here we have a retirement of a professional gamer forced to retire due to a thumb injury oh the dreaded thumb injury. Thomas Zuma Paparato announced that he's taking a step back from competitive Call of Duty. 25-year-old professional. He's made some Poor money. Guy. He's made some money gaming. About $387,019 from 87 tournaments, according to eSports earnings. His largest prize was from a single tournament. In 2018, he won 53125 Call of Duty, World War II competition. However, while he was part of FaZe Clan a few years back, he noticed weakness in his thumb and wrist, had surgery to repair it, fought back to get to like a normal status, thought he was going to get back into the playing, injury resurfaces, pain continues, can't perform at the high level. Very upsetting. Hmm. Very upsetting for a person to go through something like this when it's something you're so good at, you spend so much time at, and then the the body lets you down. It's tough, these movements, man. Yeah. So. And he's, uh, what, 25? Only 25. Well, that's usually the time where they're kind of on the old side. Hey, man! In programming. Hey, no, man! That's true. I told you you were old the other day, and you got all sentimental, so you can't well, call I'm someone very old, old who's that. 25. Here's the tweet from Zuma. Can't help but get emotional seeing all the support. Wish I could respond to everyone, but just know I see all of you and appreciate all the kind words. Love all of you for real. And then the heart emoji. So shout out. Shout out. Shout out to Zuma. I'm sure you'll find something, some other cool thing to do as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, take a rest on the gaming. Speaking of gaming, you've never seen anything like this in your life. RTX 3080 sneakers. Mm. Shout out to NZXT, our friends. This is a wild collaboration here. That's dope. Uh, The name RTFKT, Artifact Studios, 
the company makes virtual and physical next-gen collectible sneakers. So I don't know if this is strictly virtual or collectible or if what we're looking at is currently virtual and will eventually be collectible. But they partnered with NZXT and they came up with this wild concept. And there's actually a, a video if you scroll down. But to me, it, it looks superimposed. Like it looks... It's one of those Xbox Yeah, concepts. it looks CG, but... I mean, I don't know. You tell me. Wait, wait until... Okay, you, right now you think it looks good, but wait till he goes inside. Look at that. The double screen. What is it? A ho hologram? Wait, 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 wait. Hold hey, on. Whoa! Hold on. No, it's CG. Uh, the shoe, I feel like it's real. Mm -hmm. The shoe is real because there's reflections yeah. of light. So you start with an surface. actual shoe and but, then you fill in the gaps. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what happened. I mean, it's, it's like a, a super screen. cool video and definitely as a collectible. It is very cool. Uh, it's a cool collab and I mean, like I, we've seen so many cool designs from NZXT. I think I said cool a few times there, mm -hmm. but it's a, it's a mashup of two cultures, mm -hmm. the sneaker culture and the gamer culture, obviously. And somehow it kind of works, including the reference design RTX 3080 with a yeah. spinning fan on the sole. That is a wild product. So yeah, I don't know if they're actually going to going to make it. Uh, the shoes would be, I would assume they would be incredibly labor intensive to make anything close to it. Mm. But who knows? Maybe a super limited quantity of something sort of like that they could do. Or maybe this is it. It ends right here and we all have... Yeah. A nice little moment. New dinosaur fossils could belong to the largest creature to ever walk the earth. We may have just found the largest land walking animal ever. Oh. And they found it. Where did they find it? Was it in Argentina? Yeah, it was in Argentina. And let me just give you an idea of how big this thing might have been. Okay, prior to this, the biggest one they ever found, they named it the Patago, Patago Titan because they, they find it down in Pat, Patagonia over there. Okay. It's not just a fancy brand that you like to wear. It's not? No, it's an actual place. Oh, okay. So get it together first Used of all. to me. Um, <laughs> anyway, so the, the, the previous largest one that they found, which lives 100 million years ago, was 122 feet long and weighed up to 77 tons. Now you're like, okay, that sounds big. That sounds like a lot. An African elephant weighs nine tons. Mm. Ooh, oh man, that is some mass to it. I don't know if anyone want to do, wants to do some quick maths, but that's, uh, I don't know. That's like, what, six of those? That's like six elephants, something yeah. like that, seven elephants. Seven elephants, almost eight elephants. Jeez. I'm just thinking like this dinosaur, um, they eat plants too, right? That's right. They're herbivores. A lot of plants. Wow. Damn, you're right, man. They must just walk up to a tree and just... They just strip it. Gulp it, yeah. <laughs> it must be so like, fast, hey. the number of calories that they're going to be burning. Sheesh. Anyway, the one that they just found, they claim is going to be bigger than that one that they found there, the P Patago Titan. They have some cool names for these types of uh, these types of dinosaurs, what do they have like a name for the species? Scientists attribute the fossils consist of 24 tail vertebrae, 
parts of the pelvic and pectoral girdle to a titanosaur. A titan. Titanosaur. Ti titanosaur is what they think is the species, I suppose. Man, they're running out of ways to say something is huge. Just, just use the word titan. It's like yeah. NVIDIA does with the graphics cards. Uh -huh. Once you get to titan, it's like, holy moly. So anyway, just an absolute beast. And, and these new parts could be part of the... It, 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 do you ever have uh, dinosaur FOMO? Does that ever happen to you? Like Jurassic Park style where you just feel it would be cool to... Like, when you know when people say to you, if you could had a time machine and you could choose a period of time to just go for like, oh, I don't know, a glimpse for 30 seconds, mm. would, would dinosaur time be anywhere in your top 10? Uh, yeah. How, yeah, how, yeah. How close to the top? How close? Um, I would like to really much see dinosaurs. Maybe nice. number one. Wow. It's something that we've never seen before in real wow. life. Wow. Wow. You, I, this thing flipped around. It went from, I can't tell if he's interested, to Mr. Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, I flip-flop quite a lot. Wow. All right. Well, I, to see a T-Rex, wouldn't you want it? No, I do. I do. But it's just, I'll be, I'd be curious, the audience, if you could go back to any time period and just catch a glimpse of what was going on for like, I don't know, five minutes, but I could guarantee your safety, no matter what the situation was, what time period would you choose to go back to? Let's see what people say. Obviously, yeah. dinosaur time is on the list somewhere, but how does it map? To, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of cool events you might want to witness. Mm -hmm. Including, check this out, near collision with UFO captured on camera, Singapore Airlines. Someone sent this to me on Twitter. And uh, this apparently just happened. January 17th, 2021, between 7.30 and 7.50 a.m., you have a Singapore Airlines plane headed to Zurich Airport. The pilot is about to land. You see him make a maneuver, and you see an unidentified object just kind of fly past. You can go to about the halfway point of the video. They don't need to watch the whole thing. This person was just filming the landing of the vehicle. That's the report. And what I'm going to need you to do is watch for the plane to start to turn. It's, you know, as you would do, I suppose. Look at this. Now watch by the wing. Look near the wing. Keep an eye. Keep an eye. It's coming. It's coming. Boom. Did you see it? Yes, I did. Okay, what did you see Willie do? It was like a white object. Was it traveling quickly? Yes. How quickly? Oh, there it is. There it is. You well, paused on it. Well, it's so quick that it's a complete blur. It's a blur, isn't it? You can't even identify it. You can't identify it, can you? Now, this particular article suggests that it's not a drone or a bird because it didn't show up on radar. And they're also speculating that this is some kind of a maneuver the pilot was pulling to miss it. Oh. Because it wasn't on radar. And then it popped up and he had to make a manual move. It's not a it's not a Starlink satellite there. This 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 article says that the video proves that the pilot is aware and prepared to dodge the UFO. It also says that the passengers were panicking as the pilot followed safety protocol. Now I don't know. I'm on Yahoo News. Is this is this stuff? I don't know <laughs> any. Like, <News. laughs> where is this posted discrediting from? It? Hang on a second. No, I'm not discrediting Yahoo News. I just I don't know. Is it? 
is it vetted? Like, it's just a video. It's not on YouTube. Like, I don't even know. What is the <laughs> if it's source? It's not on YouTube. It's definitely. But, but not for real, right. what is the source of this video? Is anyone else talking about this video? Maybe that's a better question. Near collision. I'm going to copy this headline. I mean, okay. this is just, I just got to do a little bit of detective work here. Isn't that what anybody would do? Just a tiny bit. Let's see if it's posted anywhere else. Okay. IndiaTimes.com. Lad Bible. Independent.co.uk. So, yeah, I guess it's been reported in a couple different places. It's unclear what the object was. A passenger on board. Yeah. It looks like a very similar article. It's impossible to say what the object was as it moved out of shot too quickly. It's the latest in a string of incidents involving near misses between aircraft and objects. So, but it's definitely moving. It's not a static object in the sky. Mm -hmm. It's definitely moving. And it seems big. At a rapid pace. What a way to go out. What a way to end the show. There's no better way than a UFO.